Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. We want to hear from you guys. Facebook and Twitter. It is Sports Garden. G-A-R-T-E-N. Hashtag S-G-N. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio. Any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can hear us. Make sure you subscribe and like if you're listening to us. All right, guys. We have a lot to go over. Of course, we have the big weekend games and that's what we're going to concentrate on I'll give you a couple minutes just to real quick to reset here uh, with the news that's come out the news about James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets overall this has moved the odds in a ridiculous fashion the Nets are right now three to one to win the championship plus 125 uh, to win the the East for comparison's sake, you're looking at plus 350 for the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think are still a very far superior team. I believe that James Harden makes the team better, um, but better is a marginal thing, isn't it? You're taking a circus and adding another clown. It doesn't mean it's not going to be an entertaining circus, but let's be real. They should not be the betting favorite to be the odds-on, and I mean really odds-on, plus 125 as opposed to plus 325 or 350, depending on where you're shopping, against Milwaukee, the number two team, is a pretty substantial favorite. They don't deserve that. They don't deserve that at all. And I'm a guy that, look, I'm holding tickets to win the MVP for Kevin Durant. But this Brooklyn Nets team, no, not not buying into that. Don't buy into the trade. I get why they did it. They did it to appease Durant. Kyrie's not working. I understand it. I just don't think it makes them championship material. From a betting aspect, we should stay very far away. Very, very, very far away from this. Deshaun Watson very possibly might be moving. The odds are minus 160 that he stays with the Houston Texans. Plus 250 that he goes to the Miami Dolphins. You have some intriguing 20 to 1 on Washington, 12 to 1 on the Bears and the Colts, uh, not plus 950 on the Niners, plus 950 on the New England Patriots. Guys, there's only two bets to make here. It's either Miami, who could give up Tua, number three, and number 50, and really just give the Texans a deal that they have to take, or it's the Houston Texans. Plus 250 is not enough to make me think that a kid in his prime like this is going to jump ship. I just don't see that happening here. To me, this is very simply, uh, it's Houston. They're going to smooth things over. And you don't have to go very far back in history to find a coach at odds with a star player that gets smoothed over. Aaron Rodgers had a problem with management when they drafted Love. He had a problem with management. He didn't like LaFleur. They had a problem with the coach. They had all kinds of problems. The question was, would Aaron Rodgers finish his year and his career in Green Bay? Well, he might win the MVP this year, right? He might win the MVP. So I think it smooths over. The minus 160 makes a little sense. Robert Sala gets hired by the New York Jets. This tells me right away Sam Darnold is a New York Jet. Sam Darnold is the quarterback moving forward. You're not going to take a defensive coach and then go get an offensive number one New, brand-new quarterback. You're not going to do it. Because even if you get a good offensive coordinator in there, and by the way, LaFleur's brother's going to be it, but even if you get a new offensive coordinator in there, if he has massive success, another team's going to poach him in a year or two, now you're taking your developmental quarterback after a year or two and giving him a new ear. You don't have a consistency. Robert Sala just showed every Jet fan that the New York Jets are riding with Sam Darnold, which means number two is for sale. I mean, that's just what it's telling. And then the other side is Urban Meyer goes to Jacksonville. What does that tell us? Offense, offense, and more offense. Lots of overs in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer picks his spot. He picked Utah very, very carefully. He picked Florida very, very carefully. He picked Ohio State in a good spot very carefully. And now he waited and waited and waited for that perfect spot. He waited for that perfect spot to get Trevor Lawrence hooked up with not just Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, LaVista Chenault, and you know I'm going to do it. DJ Chuck. He's got two dynamic receivers, a starting running back, and he's going to have a generational quarterback coming in here. 
Urban Meyer is going to play offense. The defense will come around eventually, but he's going to play offense and some overs in Jacksonville, something to look at. So that's the news kind of outside of everything that we're talking about here. Now let's talk about the games. And we'll start with Saturday, and you can look at the intriguing games of the weekend. Everyone wants to see Brady against Breeze. Mahomes against Mayfield in a game where they're laying 10. Can Kansas City get up? The Rams against Green Bay. Well, what's the health status going to be there? Well, I I don't know. What's that going to look like? I think that the Lamar Jackson against Josh Allen angle may be the best game of the weekend. And I'm going to start with that. This is Lamar against Josh Allen. This is last year's MVP against a guy that is the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL in Josh Allen who should finish in the top three in the MVP this year. And yeah, I said it. Look, he's not the best. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Deshaun Watson very well might be the second best. Josh Allen is the most physically gifted. Josh Allen runs better than the other two that I just previously mentioned. He's bigger. He's the, He's got the arm. No one's got an arm like him in the NFL. So Allen against Lamar Jackson, who's changing the game. He's running. He's doing all kinds of different things out there that we're just not used to. So how does this match up? Well, this is really an interesting case because the Bills are not going to run. (laughs) What else do you want me to say? The Bills are not running the ball. They're not going to run the ball here. Zach Moss getting injured. They don't run the ball anyway. Now Zach Moss hampered. They're not running. So this is going to be Josh Allen against that Ravens secondary. And Josh Allen against that Ravens secondary could have quite a day. Lamar going up against the Bills. The Bills defense has had problems this year, and they have problems with running quarterbacks. Now, I believe that Lamar Jackson is limited because you have got to throw the ball in this league, but this is another game where he could do a lot of running and kind of get it done. Let's have a little comparison, though. Allen by a lot of measures, actually had a better year this year than Lamar did last year. Allen, 4,544 yards passing, 37 touchdown passes, which was more than Allen. 31-27 and 36 touchdown passes, right, in his MVP season. Now, Jackson's a big threat to run. He had over 1,000 yards, over 1,200 yards, and seven touchdowns. But this Allen, right, 421 yards, but he had more touchdowns than Lamar. This is quarterback against quarterback. It really is. There are other games that you'll hear me talk about, and you'll hear me talk about the outside issues and don't get into quarterback against quarterback. This is quarterback against quarterback and nothing else. And nothing else. Josh Allen has to win the game for Buffalo, and Lamar Jackson has to win the game for Baltimore. This is not a case where either one of those guys could go out there and lose the game. Now, Josh Allen is going to make some mistakes in this game. I absolutely think that Josh Allen, he's got a little bit of a fumbleitis problem here and there. Maybe he loses one on the ground. Maybe he throws an ill-timed interception. But that's okay. He's got a lot of Brett Favre in him where you're asking the guy to take a shot. We're asking him to go deep, take a shot, make something happen, get something done with your legs. And that's perfectly fine for Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, though, I think Lamar Jackson has to be almost pinpoint perfect because he's not going to throw it a lot on this defense. This is going to be a running game. J.K. Dobbins has scored a touchdown in seven straight games. J.K. Dobbins is the new lead back. They are going to run it left, run it right, run it with Lamar. We saw that coming out right, right away last week. Here's the scary part to me about taking Baltimore, and everyone loves Baltimore, by the way. This line opened up. Buffalo is a three-point favorite. It's all the way down to two in some spots. People are loving Buffalo, and they love—I'm sorry, Baltimore, and they are in Buffalo, cold weather. Well, that kind of favors Baltimore. Here's what worries me about you Ravens backers. What worries me about you Ravens backers out there, Tennessee's defense is terrible. Tennessee's defense is legit terrible. I mean, I'm not overstating it. This isn't me bashing on Tennessee. Ah, you guys suck, man. No, no, no. They were ranked 31st in a lot of defensive categories. And I saw the Ravens struggle. Not only did I see the Ravens struggle, the Tennessee Titans had 14 sacks on the season and four sacks in the first half against that Baltimore offensive line. Now, Buffalo has some problems. Buffalo's defense, you could beat them in certain areas. 
but they can get after you. They do get pressure on the quarterback. If Lamar Jackson went down four times and a half against the Tennessee Titans, what do you think Buffalo's going to do? It's going to be open season on Lamar. But you know what? Harbaugh also knows that. He knows it's going to be open season. So he's going to be prone to run more often, early and often. I think this is the best game on the board. I think this is going to be an absolute back-and-forth battle. I don't care. Look, you have to wait and see exactly what the wind is, but I generally don't care if it's snowing or not, people getting crazy about the snow. To me, back-and-forth battle between two dynamic quarterbacks. One point here, the Bills, they're 9-1 in the last 10 playoff games. You know, I look at this game and I just say, Everyone's on the Ravens. Everyone's telling me that the Ravens are playing the best football right now. Well, they are, but they've also played nobody. Josh Allen this year is better than Lamar Jackson this year. And I think the line is right. I think it's right. It should be right around a field goal in the favor of Josh Allen. Let's talk about Saturday afternoon. In a game that I think would have been so fun, but everyone's hurt. You can tell me that the Terminator and they put out a picture and the Rams put out a picture and a half-face Aaron Donald oh, and the Terminator's back. Oh, 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 oh. Right? Going back to Binford Tools right there. But, you know, yeah, he might be back, but he's not 100%. And Jared Goff and his nine fingers might be back, but he's not 100%. And Cooper Cup and his one leg might be back, and he's not 100%. But does it matter? Because this offense is now running through Cam Akers. Yeah, it does. And I've heard that. Look, I've heard the L.A. side. Doesn't matter. Cam Akers is the man. Yeah, he is. I get it. But you still need the threat of a passing game. You still need Aaron Donald. If this was a healthy Rams team, I would not only be on the Rams plus the points, I would be Rams money line. Rams money line all day. But they're not. They're very banged up. Goff, Wolford. Goff had surgery on December 28th, guys. He had surgery on the 28th. It's going to be 30 degrees. Normally a Cam Akers game, 30 degrees. Oh, you're loving it, right? Running up the middle. But again, this is an L.A. team going to 30-degree weather. With guys banged up. Yeah, you ever hurt your back? You ever hurt your knee? You go out into the cold weather. You go, oh, man, it hurts a little bit more today, right? How about those, those ribs by Aaron Donald? Ah, breathing in that cold air. That might hurt just a little bit more for Aaron Donald, right? Things hurting a little bit more. Cooper Cup's knee just a little bit more. And then we go to some matchups. Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams is going to be what everyone's hyping up. Oh, here we go. Ramsey against Adams. Oh, it's going to be one against one, number one against number one, highest paid against this guy. Oh, it's going to be. It's not. It's not. Jalen Ramsey is not a corner who follows. They, they play side of the fields. That's what they do. So he's not going to follow Devontae Adams. What Green Bay's going to do in this game is they're going to get Devontae Adams out in space. They're going to move him around the field. They're going to move him pre-snap. Where should he be? On the left, on the right? Get him away from Ramsey. You're going to watch Devontae Adams still do his thing, and he's going to be doing it against his second and third best cornerbacks. Now, I know that the Rams' second and third best corners are actually pretty good, but it's still it's Devontae Adams. If this was Ramsey Adams all day and he was a lockdown corner, which you don't see anymore, and he was that lockdown corner that's going to take him one-on-one, I'd be a lot more excited. But that's not the case. The media could play that up, but that's just not the case. The one advantage that the Rams potentially could have here, Sean McVay absolutely created this offense in a lot of ways, right? I mean, he absolutely created it. Matt LaFleur, who's the Packers head coach, was McVay's offensive coordinator in 2017. They came up with plays together. Now, this isn't a case where it's a defensive coordinator. This is a, No, no, no. An offensive-minded head coach, an offensive quote-unquote genius in Sean McVay, got Matt LaFleur his job. Why? Because he was an offensive coach. And when the Matt LaFleur hiring came about, a lot of people came out and said, well, did he really deserve it? Did he deserve the job? Why? Because you know McVeigh was doing a lot of the game planning. They also were together for four years in Washington. McVeigh absolutely knows this offense, and knowing this offense has been an advantage. Look, when McVeigh goes up against Russell Wilson and Seattle, and he shuts them completely down on the defensive side of the ball, what, you don't think that he's in the defensive meetings going, I know them. 
I know this team. And he's pointed to that. He said, you know what? It's a familiarity thing. I I can have success on the defensive side because I know from an offensive standpoint what they're going to try to do, and we could shut them down. What they did against Russell Wilson was massively impressive. Massively impressive. But I'm not giving that all to the defensive coordinator. I think it, a lot of that had to do with McVay and his comfort level of knowing Seattle. Well, if he had a comfort level against knowing Seattle, well, he's got a lot of comfort level against knowing the Packers. Which brings me to Aaron Rodgers. Because this is going to be about execution. Aaron Rodgers, his entire career, has had some holes in his game. He's always had it. I don't, don't start with me about Aaron Rodgers being flawless. He's always had holes in his game, and so has everybody else, right? But Aaron Rodgers has distinct holes in his game. Aaron Rodgers, when pressured, he will not throw it into a crowd. He will throw it into the fifth row. And he's a guy that won't take shots, won't try to squeeze the ball in. This is Aaron Rodgers. But there's also something else about Aaron Rodgers that people just continuously forget. You pull up the stat sheet on Aaron Rodgers in his career, right? And you go, oh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, interception, his rates every single year are just fantastic. You know, Um, it's one of those things that, again, he throws it into the fifth row. So it's something that you could kind of say is a little overblown, sure. But there is something that he does very, very poorly. And that's fumble the ball. Aaron Rodgers has a habit of fumbling the ball, and he fumbles it quite often, actually. It's a matter of does the other team jump on it. Now, we all know about Aaron Rodgers pre-snap and getting guys to jump and whatnot, but the fumbling is never really talked about. If Aaron Donald is in his face, Aaron Donald knows what I know, and that's that Aaron Rodgers fumbles the ball. That's the way the Rams are going to win here. You always talk about turnovers, and turnovers are massive. Jared Goff with nine fingers and Cam Akers, who, oh, by the way, had a little bit of fumbling problems at Florida State, yet they they might turn the ball over once or twice. How are you going to get Green Bay to turn the ball over? How can you make a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who built a career on not making that mistake, not not because he's just so pinpoint. No, because he just won't let himself make that mistake. He'd rather throw it into the ground, throw it into the 15th row, and not worry about it. How do you make a guy like that turn the ball over in a game where you distinctly need turnovers? Hey, Aaron Donald, strip the ball. Because he does fumble the ball. Now, I will say this as well. He threw three balls, did Aaron Rodgers, to Chicago defenders in week 17, all three Chicago defenders dropped interception returns. And interception returns that each one of them might have gone for a a pick six. Each one of them. That's the last time we saw Aaron Rodgers on the field. This is very clearly a game of this. The line opened up at seven and a half. It's down to six and a half. People heard Aaron Donald's going to play. People heard Jared Goff is going to play. People heard Cooper Cup is going to play. And money came in on the Rams. If the Rams are healthy, the Rams are the better team. I know they don't have the better record, but oh, by the way, the Green Bay Packers beat two teams with a winning record all year. This Packers offense looked pathetic against the Tampa Bay Bucks and that superior defense. If they were healthy, I'd be on the Rams, not only plus the points, whatever points I was getting, I would be on them 100% money line. But with this uncertainty... And these guys banged up like this. I think it's an impossible game to bet on. I still believe that the Rams can play a close game. I still believe that the Rams can control the ground game here. But there's no way I'm taking this with the possibility that after a couple of plays, Aaron Donald's feeling too bad in his ribs and they pull him out. After a couple of plays, the Rams are on their third-string quarterback. After a couple of plays, Cooper Cup's out. Too many injuries to go anywhere near this game. And sometimes it's bet to just sit back, relax, don't bet on a game, and just kind of let this one play out. All right, I'm going to take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more right after this on Wagering Week. I'm Gary Myers, the host of the podcast, the GOAT, Tom Brady. And you're listening to Tom Barton on the Sports Garden Network. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. 
What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, well, what are the odds? You can still bet AFC against the NFC for the Super Bowl. This is an odds they put out there. They put out there early in the season, and you just go, hey, I got the whole field of the AFC against the whole field of the NFC. And it's always been leaning the AFC recently in the last couple of years. No exception this year. Right now, the number is still sitting at minus 3.5 to the AFC. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You got the Chiefs who are the generally the best team in the NFL. People are afraid of Baltimore. Uh, you know, you got the Bills. Eh, they're up there. They might be the second best team in the NFL. So you would be, have to lay minus three and a half right now if you want to take the AFC against the NFC. And you look at those odds and you go, I wonder how close to a value you can get. That is what are the odds. All right, guys, look. Hey, I mentioned the Chiefs, right? And they are the best team in football. But they haven't looked like that dominant team. And they are laying 10 points against the Cleveland Browns. Now, if the Kansas City Chiefs win this game, they'll be the first team in history to host three straight AFC Championship games. The last team that did it, and the only other team that ever did it, came from the NFC. 2002, Philadelphia Eagles, both teams coached by Andy Reid. Andy Reid is all everything for this game. You look at Andy Reid and you go, off of a bye week in the man's 22-year career, Andy Reid is 23-3 and coming off of a bye. That's including the playoffs. That is not a trend that is for trend's sake. I need to emphasize this massively here. There are often times where sports betting, I, I do it myself. I'll look at trends and data and I'll go, oh, especially trends. Well, yeah, that doesn't really apply. It's new players. It's new this, it's new that. No, no. This is a trend that speaks to Andy Reid and his involvement and the work that he puts in during a bye week. When Andy Reid has extra time to prepare for an opponent, the opponent loses 23-3, and 23 out of 26 times. That's amazing. That means Andy Reid's preparation during the extra time is just more valuable. We've talked about this with Bill Belichick oh, very often, and in the college ranks, Nick Saban is the best I've ever seen at just give him more time. He's going to crush you. Well, Andy Reid has done it. He is the best I've ever seen coming off of a bye. And this is off of a bye week. This fits that narrative. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, they weren't playing fantastically coming in, but they still are the best team in the NFL. Why? A lot of it has to do with Patrick Mahomes. So how is Andy Reid, this man that is just phenomenal off of a bye week, how does he do with Patrick Mahomes in extra time? So it's one thing to have extra time. Now he's got Patrick Mahomes and extra time. With Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, the combo off of a bye week, they are 6-0 and all time. They score an average of 38 points in those six wins. That's phenomenal. That shows me that as the course of the season goes on, you know, you have good seasons, you have good games, you have good spurts in a year. Uh, but off of a bye week, we have time to prepare. Me and Patrick Mahomes are going to sit down and put together this dynamic game plan that no one can stop. With this long of a, just a track record, it's not just six games. 23-3, 26 games of 22-year track record. This is no longer, well, they get good opponents or they got a weak guy here. No, 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 no. This is purely fact, and that's something dangerous for this Browns team. What else is dangerous about this Browns team? Let's take a look at the chalkboard and the X's and O's. And when you look at the X's and O's, the biggest hole of the Cleveland Browns defense is their secondary. The Cleveland Browns gave up more regular season passing yards than any team left in the playoffs. And they are facing Patrick Mahomes. Miles Garrett is going to put some pressure on, and that front line from Cleveland will put some pressure on, which is exactly what Cleveland needs to do anything in this game. Cleveland's got to get into Mahomes' face. But even if they do, this is a passing team that is going up against the worst defensive backfield, the worst secondary of any playoff teams left. They get torched. And they got torched this year, the Browns, not really by huge quarterbacks. Look at the Browns' schedule, right? The Browns' schedule isn't filled with uh, just a dynamic quarterback after dynamic quarterback. 
The Browns' schedule isn't just, oh, my goodness, wait a minute. Oh, oh, these are all Hall of Famers. The Browns' schedule, let's go through it here, okay? And see uh, these quarterbacks against the Browns' schedule. Lamar Jackson, he's a really good running back. I've said it before. He's not a big dynamic throwing threat. Joe Burrow in his second game ever. I like Burrow, but let's calm down. Washington. Washington in the three-headed attack. Cowboys. Well, Dak was there. We'll give it to Dak. So they face one one tough throwing quarterback. Phillip Rivers? Big Ben? I mean, is Big Ben not? I don't even know if we're putting him there anymore. I'm not putting Burrow there. Derek Carr? Deshaun Watson, sure. Deshaun Watson, though, uh, let me tell you about that game. That was like a monsoon. It was one of the worst. This, this year has had pretty good weather games. That was the worst weather game of the year. So I'm still saying they played one passing quarterback. Carson Wentz? Really? Uh, what are we looking at with Jacksonville? Whoever's in Jacksonville, right? Ryan Tannehill? Lamar Jackson again? Daniel Jones? Sam Darnold? And then Big Ben. I can make an argument here, and I am making the argument, that the Cleveland Browns played one good passing quarterback all year. Now, Ben was solid. He's all right, okay? Ben was all right. And and you could look and you could say, you know, Derek Carr's all right, and Joe Burrow's all right. They played one quarterback all year. And what did Dak Prescott do against them when Dak was healthy? How did Dak Prescott do when Dak was healthy against his team? Oh, in that game where they faced one good quarterback all year long, Dak Prescott threw for 502 yards, four touchdowns. 502, four touchdowns for Dak. So that is a major problem for the Cleveland Browns that they are now going up against Patrick Mahomes. With all that said, let's look at the other side. Because there's always another side. And the other side is, well, the Cleveland Browns are getting 10 points, right? The Chiefs haven't won by double digits in 10 weeks. The Chiefs, when you talk about double digits, guys, the Chiefs are a team that should be a lot better and just scoring a lot better than anybody else in the league. That's what they should be. But they sort of walked through a lot of portions of this season. You look how they finished the year. But I'm going to give them some excuses here. But how long will the excuses hold up? Yeah, you, an excuse in week 17, Mahomes didn't even play. What about week 16? Chiefs-Falcons. That, that was an ugly one. How about against the Saints? Only beat them by three. Dolphins beat them by six in a game that they shouldn't have been in. Broncos only beat them by six. Chiefs beat the Bucks by three. Raiders by four. Panthers by two. You got to go back to the Jets to watch when they were just absolutely destroying teams. And you look on the season and you go, yeah, they really didn't beat teams up. They really didn't just have their way with them. Now, you can argue about a lot of injuries that all of a sudden everyone's healthy, by the way, on Kansas City. Right? This is the first time that they're going to have Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Watson, Everybody, I mean, all the regulars are still healthy. They're going to have a full complement here. But I will point this out about the Chiefs because it's something of note. When the Chiefs decide to get up for a game, it seems like they get up for that game, doesn't it? Week one, Chiefs-Texans. Well, that's week one, man. This is it. Oh, the Texans and Deshaun, they thought they had our number. We got down 24 nothing in the game to them last year. Oh, what are we going to do? Uh, they went out there and they beat them by 14, 34-20. Uh, they, they, they had their way. Easy. Easy win. Put up 34. Beat them by double digits. Next week, after that, well, they took on the Chargers. And they struggled in that Charger game. That was a tough game. Oh, against the Ravens. Oh, that was the sandwich spot. We were looking ahead. We were looking ahead. Don't worry. Chiefs are going, don't worry, man. We were looking at we were looking at that Ravens team. The Ravens team where we have to go on the road. The Ravens team where Lamar Jackson stole the MVP from Patrick Mahomes. That Ravens team that we're going to see in the Super Bowl or in the, the championship to see who goes to the Super Bowl. That's the Ravens team that we're looking at. That's who we're going after, man. They beat them 34 to 20. Double digit win. Then, oh, we got the Patriots next. Oh, Bill thinks he's tough. I got it. Oh, Bill, Bill. Let's take you on, Bill. All right, here we go. 26 to 10 beat them. 
by double digits. Now, there was an immediate letdown to the Raiders, and they lost that game against the Raiders. Okay, I can forgive him there. You got two big games in a row, you, you let down. Then the Chiefs took on the Bills, an upstart Bills team. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about Buffalo. How good can they be? They beat them by nine. That's certainly a team that you got up for. Then you go look and you go, when's the next time they get up for a game? When's the next concerning point where they're going to get up for a game? Well, I guess it's against the Raiders where they put up 35 points. They only won by four, but they put up 35. You could say it was against the Saints. Where, look, they, they did what they needed to do. They Against the Buccaneers, they did what they were going to do. But they struggled a little bit, but they still got up for those games. So the question is, can the Chiefs get up here? And I have to highlight their history because they were losing 24 nothing to the Texans, and then they were losing in the Super Bowl. And they came back and win those games. But they didn't come out motivated out of the locker room. And I think that's a general concern here. I think coming out unmotivated after basically what is a three-week layoff. Remember, you get the whole week, and then you get the bye week, and then you, you have week 17 where they sat everybody down. It's been like three weeks or a month since these guys even really cared to win a game. From a mental standpoint, that's got to worry you if you're a Chiefs fan, as far as the Browns are concerned. Well, from a mental standpoint, let's look at the Browns. They're a high-energy, let's go bup, 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 us against the world kind of team, and they're led by that guy. They're led by Baker Mayfield. Who is that type of high-energy, let's-go-rah-rah guy? If they get going and they get rolling, Baker is that kind of guy to push them over the finish line. He is, but this shouldn't be Baker's game, and I don't think it will be. Kevin Stefanski's back on the sidelines. Kevin Stefanski was brought into... Kevin Stefanski, let's go back, made his career by running the football. Running and running and running. Everyone else in the league is throwing it all over the field. Kevin Stefanski said, cool, I'm going to run the ball. Kevin Stefanski was hired by the Cleveland Browns to run the football and run the football he has. Kevin Stefanski and this Cleveland Browns organization put together a dual running back combination that there was a point in the last couple of years where Kareem Hunt was considered the most talented running back in the league, and you might say Nick Chubb is that guy right now, and they're both in the backfield. Kevin Stefanski is going to try to run the ball. It makes sense from an X's and O's standpoint, doesn't it? Run the ball, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Run the ball effectively and impose your will. Run the ball effectively and eat that clock and waste that clock. Kevin Stefanski knows that. The Browns know that, but so do the Chiefs. Can the Chiefs stop it? Well, nobody's really going to stop Nick Chubb. You could slow him down. But you're still kind of going about your game plan. You have a Browns team that also is playing with house money. For the most adamant Cleveland fan out there, guys, if your season ends this weekend, it's a great season. Not a good. It's a great season. Double-digit wins. You slayed the Giant. You could not beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. 14 years under Mike Tomlin, you didn't win in Pittsburgh. You did it last weekend. Ben Roethlisberger had owned the city more than any quarterback in NFL history. You beat him. You beat him. You not only beat him, you might have sent him into retirement. Right? So, the Cleveland Browns have their quarterback, have their coach, have their best season. If they fail... And don't advance, it's still a massively, massively successful season. That sits in the back of your mind, and it could play both ways. It could play the, the right way and say, you know what? Hey, let's lay it all on the field. And we're going to squib kick, and we're going to onside kick, and we're going to take shots, and we're going to do double reverses, and we're going to do anything we can because we got nothing to lose. You have that aspect. But you also have the aspect, and this is something that I think is very underrated in sports, about the emotional bounce. When you go out there and slay the dragon, and you go out there and you beat your nemesis, you go out there and you absolutely do what you just needed to do as a man, as an organization. This is what you needed. You bounce one of two ways. That road gets divided. And we've watched teams go out there and they beat that team that is the unbeatable team, the thorn in their side. They beat 
that team, and they go on to make that just, here you go. You know, we beat that team. That was basically our World Series, our Super Bowl, whatever. Now whoever's in our pass is just going to get run over. I hate to mention it, but when the Boston Red Sox finally exercised the demons and came back from 3-0 to beat the New York Yankees, there was no way they were losing that World Series, guys. There's no way. This team had just did what no team since Babe Ruth could do, right? No team could do it. They exercised that demon. They moved on. They finally, finally got the monkey off their back and moved on. But we've seen far too many teams, far too many organizations take all of that emotion and all of that buildup and all of that afterglow of beating that team, the team you can't beat, the one guy you got to get past, take all of it. And just not be able to replicate the same sort of emotion the next week. Now, you are taking on the Chiefs. You're into the next round. You're going to Kansas City. You're taking on Mahomes. You'd think they'd be able to. But it's tough. It's going to be tough. And I think that's what's up against Cleveland here. Obviously, looking at a game plan, you could look at a game plan. You could sit down with your X's and O's and your sheets and your graphs and your charts. And you sit down with 10 coaches and they're going to go, hey, we'll run the ball effectively. We'll be okay. And we got to get some pressure on the homes and not make mistakes. And that's it. And I agree. Run the ball effectively, run it often, eat the clock, keep Mahomes on the sideline. That's your path to victory. But there has to be that secondary idea that you've got to get up for this game. Do not act like you won something last week. Do not act like you beat something that nobody on your team has ever done, which is win in Pittsburgh. That the city hasn't seen in generations, which is beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. That you sent Big Ben into retirement. That you did. Don't. You can't act like that. You've got to go in here and instead of saying, you know what, we're playing with house money. No, no, no. We're taking down Mahomes, man. And that mentality has to be brought on from the defensive side. You could talk about the running game and yeah, we know it's going to be effective and Baker Mayfield will have a good day. You don't want a shootout though. When Baker Mayfield, and you'll see all these highlights, when Baker Mayfield took on Patrick Mahomes in college, Baker threw for 525, Mahomes threw for 734, right? You don't want that game. If it gets into that game, you're done. Cleveland, you're done. You're dead in the water. You're not outscoring Mahomes in a shootout. So this has to come from the defensive side. This is when I'm starting to look at you, Miles Garrett. Right? Miles Garrett, you have a chance to make an impact. Get after Mahomes. Make him make a mistake. Your defensive secondary is going to get torched unless you get some kind of pressure. So overall, this game, this is a a pinpoint line. This line makes a ton of sense. Look, if it's 7, I love the Chiefs, right? If it's 11 or 12, a lot of people are going to go out there and take Cleveland. It's very difficult for me to go against the Chiefs here. Simply because I think they're going to win. I always say I can't take an underdog unless I think that underdog has a real shot at winning the game. I don't think the Browns have a real shot at winning the game. You could tell me they'll keep it close. But you're playing points. This line is set high to scare people off. The rhetoric out there of Kansas City doesn't cover double digits is out there to scare people down. I'm not telling you I love Kansas City. I went 13-4 and here uh, in the regular season. I pick my spots very carefully. If this was on a regular season board, probably wouldn't touch Kansas City. Okay? But there's only one bet to make, in my opinion, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. If you like the Browns, then you had better believe that Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski are going to go into, uh, off of a bye week, go into Kansas City and win. So you better go out there and just take money line. If you like the Chiefs, I understand the hesitancy of laying the 10. I think the Chiefs win the game, but there's a reason why the line is 10. But we're going to find out in the future. And that brings us to Bet to the Future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the Future. Bet to the future. Well, I mentioned it earlier in the show. Deshaun Watson and the odds. Well, what team will Deshaun Watson be 
on for week one of the NFL season. Here are the full odds. The Texans are the minus 160, which I mentioned. The Dolphins are plus 250. Patriots come in at plus 950. The Jets come in at plus 950. Bears 12 to 1. Colts 12 to 1. Now the Niners I've seen at 20 to 1. I've seen them all the way down at about 10 to 1 as well. Washington 20 to 1. Eagles 25 to 1. And Lions 33 to 1. My humble opinion, guys, listen, the reality is this, is that Washington at 21 is intriguing. Maybe you get a little Niners love there. Bears, Colts won't have the assets to do it. Jets have made a clear decision. They're not going to go out there and do it. The Patriots really want to do it, but they're not going to get it done. It's either the Dolphins or the Texans. And with the assurances that the Dolphins have made to it and what they've come out and said, I think it's the Texans. I think you could probably make a little bit of money on this as well. All right. That is bet to the future. One game left, and it is the History Channel game. Yeah, that's what it is, guys. It is the History Channel game. If you saw Tom Brady's Twitter this week, he had a little little beard. He looked like David Letterman. He, he made a fake mock-up of seeing on the History Channel the Tampa Bay Bucks against the New Orleans Saints, and Drew Brees is bald with glasses. He looks like a science teacher, and Tom Brady looks like David Letterman with a big white beard, and, uh, you know, they're having a, a little bit of fun, but this is the first time that Brees and Brady will ever face in the playoffs, so it's pretty monumental. Look, they're both in the same division. The Saints have beaten the Bucks twice this year, and they've absolutely blown them out. They won 38-3 and 34-23 in a game that wasn't that close. They've absolutely owned this team. Bruce Arians is 0-4 against the Saints since he became coach of the Bucks. So there's just a lot of history here that you go on and you say the Saints are just the better team. The one thing I continue to hear, and we'll get into more of that in a moment, the one thing I continue to hear, though, is people going, well, you know what? Uh, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. It's hard to beat a team three times a season. And I started to question that because is it? Is it really hard to beat a team three times in the season? Because I think that's a legit question. If you own a team, shouldn't you consistently continue to own them? If you know a team you had success, shouldn't you consistently have that? Well, since 1970, 21 teams have gone 2-0 against a divisional round opponent in the regular season and then faced them in the playoffs. Now, it's the only way it's going to happen is in division, obviously, because you're going to go 2-0. and So since 1970, 21 times they've matched up in the third round. 14-7 and are the team that went 2-0 to go to 3-0. So, no, it's not difficult to beat a team three times in the season. Let's put to rest that old wives' tale. Let's put that aside because it's not real. And the people that are running in their mouths and going out and saying, oh, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. Really? 67% success rate says it's not. And this is why numbers matter. And then you go to the obvious, and I heard a lot of scenes, players and ex-players and just the, the general community saying this week that the Saints just flat-out match up well against Tampa. They anticipate what they're going to do. They know their schemes. They know their plays. Peyton knows Arians. I just mentioned it about McVay, right? And some coaches just have other coaches' numbers. They just have it. They just own them for whatever reason it might be. Sean Payton is a better coach than Bruce Arians. Now, Brady's better than Breeze, sure. The receiving cores, I'll give it to Tampa by a little bit, but the defenses aren't even close. And especially when you consider the defenses head-to-head. And you look at the way that this team has gone, and I'm talking about the Bucks. maybe we could find a little silver lining where things are different. Well, the Bucks are playing the best football that they've played all year. Absolutely agree. Tom Brady is playing better now than he has all year. Absolutely agree. Is there a reason for this? I think that there is. I think I'm going to blame COVID. And I know a lot of people are out there blaming COVID for a lot of things. Okay? I can't come into work today. There's COVID. I can't do this. There's COVID. I can't. I get it. People are afraid of it. But this is a legit, legit reason. Tom Brady is a brand new quarterback in a brand new city 
in a brand new system. And a Bruce Arian system is very, very different than everything he's played in his entire career. Comes over with brand new wide receivers in Antonio Brown. Brand new tight end in Gronk. Brand new running back in Leonard Fournette. Brand new offensive pieces are moving all the time. Let alone Godwin missed time. Well, so he didn't really get a compliment of a season with him. Evans missed time. I didn't really get a compliment of a season with him. You're starting to see Tom Brady lean on Cameron Brait late in the season. I love Cameron Brait. He's a Harvard guy. But Cameron Brait late in the season, why? Because he's been around so long. Brady's starting to anticipate where he's going to be. Brady is starting to see the field. He's starting to understand. So I could look back at these two losses and, and I could say, okay, you know, let, let's look at the Buccaneers' schedule. And and I want to give a real reason why the Bucs were just dominated. Well, week one, 34-23 in a game that wasn't that close. The Saints beat them. Week one, Tom Brady didn't know people's names. He was meeting them on the field. Hey, you're my center today? Oh, that's great. Because there was no mini camps. There was no eight OTAs. There was no meetings. It was virtual. It was barely there. So I'm not getting mad at him at all for losing to the Saints. Okay? Not at all. Then later on in the season, he got completely shut down. Completely and utterly Spanked 38 to 3 in Tampa by the Saints team. In Tampa by a Saints team where Taysom Hill led the rushing brigade seven carries 54 yards. Kamara, nine carries of 40. Murray, 10 carries 39. They didn't run. No one's got really good statistics here. Michael Thomas, 51 yards. Led that. Nobody has it. Drew Brees. He had four touchdowns, 222 yards. That's all he had. Brady looked like garbage, pure garbage that day. 209 touchdowns, uh, 209 yards. That would be a good game. And three interceptions, no touchdowns. But Ronald Jones also ran the ball three times for nine yards. As a team, they ran the ball five times for eight yards. Five carries, guys. For eight yards. This was a game that was a fluky, fluky game. If the Tampa Bay Bucks couldn't run the ball, which they clearly couldn't, well, it was all on Brady. Now, Brady looked bad. He had a bad game. Was that because of New Orleans defense? I'm not sure. I do know that they do have a semblance of a running game now. I do know that their guys are getting back healthy. I do know Antonio Brown certainly adds a component and I do know that Tampa Bay has looked a lot better recently. Now, you might want to go back and you want to look at Tampa Bay in the last week and you go, well, Devin White wasn't playing in that game. That's something to remember as well. And then you look at New Orleans and, and not everything is all rosy in Saints land, right? They played the Bears last week in a game where they completely shut down their offense, yet the Bears were in that game. Their offense, meaning the Saints, well, they, they were pressured a lot. The Bears in that game, let me just give you uh, the, the facts of everyone going, well, look at that game. The Bears were down four defensive backs in that game. Guys, four defensive backs in that game. They were also down the best linebacker in the league in Roquan Smith. Their primary wide receiver in Mooney was banged up. This is not to an excuse to a Bears fan. I'm trying to show you here that the success of the New Orleans Saints shouldn't be overblown. We shouldn't get crazy because they almost lost to the Bears. The game was close. And and that's what they did. Now, a lot of this is about matchups. Do you believe that Tom Brady can just exercise these demons? This is kind of the caveat. So I started to think from a sports betting perspective, I started to think to myself, why won't this line be higher? What what would make me only be giving two and a half or three with the Saints at home, a 13 and 14 that has won two straight against Tampa? And it's Tom Brady. That's it. That is it. And I say that's it, which is ridiculous because he's the greatest player uh, in the sport's ever seen at that position. But that really is it. If you take the name Tom Brady off his back, and I was giving you anybody. Give, give me a solid quarterback. Give me Sean Watson. You know? And I was giving you a good quarterback. 
with the same numbers that Brady had this year, in the same situation going on the road against the same Saints team that dominated them defensively twice, made that quarterback throw three interceptions last time he saw them, completely dominated Chicago's offense last week, got back their number one wide receiver that was almost an MVP last year, Michael Thomas. What would this line be? And that's what you need to ask yourself as a betting person. This line is two and a half or three because it's Brady. This line probably would be upwards of seven or seven and a half. This line would be a touchdown if there wasn't Tom Brady on the other side. But oh, lo and behold, there is. And there is something to be said about Tom Brady being able to see a defense for the third time in a season. There is something to be said about Tom Brady's playoff experience. There's something to be said that Tom Brady has progressed over the course of the season and gotten better over the course of the season. There's something to be said that the aura of Tom Brady is that he's Tom Brady. So I think in this, this is one of those games where I'll give you my full assessment because I'm not taking this game. I'm not betting on it. This is a sit back, have a couple of cocktails, and enjoy this game. Can't, don't even have that many cocktails because you want to remember this game. But this is going to be one of those games. This is a simple case of this. If you're betting on the New Orleans Saints, you are betting in a rational mindset of saying this. They are a better team. I have the better coach. I have the better offense. I have the clear, better defense. I am at home. I'm laying a reasonable number. And I've watched two games this year where we've bludgeoned them to death and just beaten them, beaten them up all over the field. That's one school of thought, and that's why you're betting the Saints. Can't argue with you. Can't argue with you at all. If you're betting the Bucks, you're betting on Tom Brady. That's it. You're not betting that all of a sudden this Tampa Bay defense is going to shut down the Saints. They're not shutting down the Saints. They can hold them closer. With healthy Devin White, they'll be better. David and White, they can. But they're not shutting them down. You're not betting on that. You're not betting that Bruce Arians is going to outcoach Sean Payton. You're not betting on that. You're not betting on any of those outside things. What you're betting on is that Tom Brady will be Tom Brady again. And when Tom Brady is Tom Brady in the playoffs, nobody is better. No one's ever been better in the history of the NFL. So if you're betting on the Tampa Bay Bucks, you're betting on Brady. This, don't fool yourself into thinking anything else. This is Tom Brady. Now the defenses are going to win this. It's going to be, can the Bucks maintain and can the Saints continue their dominance over them? But there's only one reason to bet on the Bucs, and it's Brady. I'm not telling you it's a bad reason. That's why I'm staying off of this game. Because Brady scares me that much. But there is only one reason. And that reason is his name is Tom Brady. All right, guys. Enjoy the games this weekend. We have the championship games coming up next weekend. Cannot wait for that. Make sure you guys tune in, subscribe, and like. Check it all out. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back. And you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.